Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Field of View podcast. We are back with another episode. And oh my goodness! I know I'm loud, but I'm really tired. Um, <laughs> I, I am here with a gentleman who is so happy to my despair. Um, his football team had a wonderful kicker to save them at the very end. Jesus, how are you today? I've been doing all right. You know, took care of some like things over at Norco College while I could. I did recently get a smart pen thanks to my buddies over at the Disability Resource Center and I barely figured out how to use it, painfully. Those are actually really fun. I, I've been pondering on getting myself a tablet with a smart pen. My sister, she got herself I can't remember. It was like a Lenovo smart two-in-one laptop because she just started school. And then she got herself a smart pin and I used it. And it's actually pretty fun to use. So lucky you, I'm a little bit jealous, but I'll eventually hopefully get one. I don't know. I have to check my budget. <laughs> but with that being said, I hope everybody is having a wonderful day. Um, For for those who are wondering why I'm tired, I don't know if you're tired, Sus, but oh my goodness, this weekend was long. There's too many sports. Long Beach was hot and cold for whatever reason. I don't get it why. Track weather is weird, but yeah. Yeah, that's that's reasoning my exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys will get it later on in the, in the episode. But if you wanted to know, it's just my knees that are sore for whatever reason. Whenever I walk, somehow my, my, my knees are always the most punished. I, I I'm not surprised by that because uh, I think yesterday when I got home uh, from Long Beach, I, I might have had a blister on my on my foot because when I was at work today, it, it kind of hurt. But um, <laughs> I know Saturday evening my feet were hurting so bad. Um, well, well, so we were at an event. We'll talk about the event um i went the whole weekend uh, i went to my airbnb on friday uh and then i went to the event saturday later on noon because i want to go get something that i needed um to my no i didn't know we had access to it or more i didn't know where this was <laughs> i was walking around this whole area it was a pretty sizable area and we'll talk about what it is uh later on in the episode but i didn't have an area to sit in um and so we went to the next day when it was uh me jesus leo and tim uh we found the media center for this event and i I was thoroughly mad with myself <laughs> so yeah uh we'll mention what exactly we did later but I, I was mad at myself and i will not forget that i can't find the media center but with that being said let's get into um one of our topics today uh the rcc sports roundup uh, it was it was a good uh couple games for certain teams but it was not so good for other teams uh, i'm not trying to knock anybody down but we gotta we gotta state the fact you're not a good not a good uh necessary set of games for uh our rcc athletics uh the first game was the rcc football team we were at home for the second game of the seat for our second home game of the season uh we were upset against uh golden west uh it was 37 to 20 where do we begin with this one jesus um i watched uh i was uh i was preoccupied doing some other things before i started watching the uh, latter half of the game um but for what i watched there it's a complete opposite of what happened last week um what, what were kind of your thoughts on the game my thoughts are what the heck happened to that defense like how do you go from holding back saddleback college to six points to allowing golden west game 37 and yes well you were able to get well they were able to get 20 points like what was going on like was the offense not in sync was the defense committing too many penalties like what's going on and from what i saw it was a mixture of both um there was uh there was one play i recall there was, i believe it's like the eight or nine minutes to go in the uh the fourth quarter um golden west had a had a third and one threw it down into the end zone and our our defense would have come up huge at that point but uh the referee saw a uh, pass interference which um in the live stream they didn't catch it until the referee started announcing it was pass interference called the flag came out beforehand and then they're uh talking between each referee what was the what was the, uh, the the flag for and that was that led to the at that point it was 30 to 20 so it was still it was still uh we were able to come back if if the defense would have came up but that penalty pushed them put pushed uh golden west forward um pushed defense back and from there uh, uh golden west was able to move forward and then on the offense there was a i believe a really late timeout called it was close to being a delay of game at that point um once uh once rcc got the, the possession back but from what i saw it, it was a bit sloppy and i'm remembering the interview that we uh, that the questions we i asked the uh uh the head coach uh craft i know he said that practice was key so I, i'm just kind of in my head kind of like wondering did, did something happen between last week to this week where it kind of might have like discombobbled I, I don't know what are your thoughts on that my thoughts are this is definitely a wake-up call for rcc 
it's just definitely a wake-up call. That is, that is true. Uh, I do recommend heading over to um, our website, uh, viewpointsonline.org. Uh, Jair did a really good piece. It's getting a lot of traction. Um, it's been since 2018, the last time RCC lost. So make sure to check that out because he did an amazing piece over there. But that's surprising thing. It's almost been three years. It's been pretty much three years since the last loss RCC had. Obviously, we didn't have a season last year, but in consecutive seasons, let's say two and a half, almost three seasons, there, there's a lot of things that must have gone wrong at, um, on Saturday, don't you think? Yeah, and according to one of our one of our major editors, this, this piece has 327 views from when they lost this game compared to 38 from when they won. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying that it's getting good traction because it's it's been almost three seasons since they last lost so um uh that that's kind of that's kind of surprising to think that they're that they that they lost like that it's kind of confusing how to think that they won 33 to 6 last weekend and they looked good don't get me wrong it's not like they didn't they looked like they did on saturday but they looked good obviously offensively there were some things they needed to fix but aside from that i don't think anything should should have been like to worry about but moving forward do you think uh the the team and the head coaches like all the coaches should, should have to re restructure what they're doing heading into the next game i am not too sure they need to restructure anything like i said i said this is a wake-up call they just need to be reminded of what they're capable of because if you're not being pushed you have to let this loss be a lesson because i think i remember one of these quotes being you learn nothing from success but you learn a lot through, through failure that is very true i agree with that quote um make sure um yeah that's there's not much <laughs> it's just daunting to me like the thing that we we lost like that but make sure to uh check out their next uh home uh next football game it's gonna be on the road against uh canyons that game is gonna be on october 2nd at 6 p.m from there we're gonna head over to the world of water polo which this is the first time we're actually mentioning them <laughs> um it's not like we didn't want to uh we just we just been trying to keep up uh this goes to my uh, my my recurring statement of there's too many sports right now <laughs> yeah both, yeah both the women's and the men's water polo teams were busy in action this week oh yeah uh the women's were actually at the golden west tournament uh played four games part of the tournament they won three of the four games the first game was against east la with a 19-3 win their second game was a uh was a clean uh clean sweep against a rio hondo a 16-0 win uh their third game against orange coast was sadly a loss 15-7 and then their fourth and final game was against la valley which was another win to close out the tournament with a 16-4 the overall score um we'll get back to them but just to get back to the women on the men's side they played against cyprus um and won a 20 to 13 so very impressive for both teams kind of moving back to the women's team three out of four games in the tournament it kind of moving in the forward forward moving forward in the season how much momentum does this kind of give the water polo team on the women's side oh this obviously gives a lot of momentum towards the women's team because there has been a lot you know i've seen water polo games before it's not like i haven't i know how it works you know water polo is just like one of those sports where it's like you have to get all the momentum you can whether you're behind or you're ahead like you have to have good defensive stops you gotta get good shoot you gotta get good shots in you gotta know when the defense is there like you gotta do it's like it's really like almost a strategic game like soccer is how i compare it and getting these big wins when they could is huge especially a 16-0 sweep that's how you know how power how good this team could be on a good day that that that's true that's very true um uh it's impressive when a team can go without receiving a score in any kind of sport and especially in water polo as it's you're doing for for those who don't know because there's there's a few people even myself until i want to say 2019 i didn't know what water what i've seen water polo but i hadn't known how how like how it was or compared to any other sports because uh, at that point my sister joined the water polo team and i did learn a little bit but it, especially when a team in that sport where you're swimming but at the same time trying to score um it's it's really impressive to to go 16 oh so uh, impressed by them and the men's doing an awesome job as well so kudos to them their next games are going to be on this coming wednesday uh the day this episode is released uh the men's side is going to be uh they're both going to be at orange coast uh the men's game is going to be at 3 p.m and then the women's game is going to be at 4 p.m so if you're in the area uh make sure to check them out for sure and support your team and then the final 
final um, sports that were going on part of uh, RCC was the uh, women's volleyball. They played against number 11, Irvine Valley. Uh, they also did play against Saddleback on the uh, on the road. Both were three to one losses in sets. Kind of, they, they came off a, a three game hot streak and then now they've they've dropped two games. Kind of. Correction, it was four. Okay, sorry, four games. I, I, was, I was missing a game in my head. I can't count right now. <laughs> but they coming off that winning streak, how, how kind of using the term you just used, how much of a wake up call is it to lose two straight, um, especially one against the, the number 11 ranked team and then the other one on the road? Uh, how how much of a wake up, call, wake up call is this for them, for the uh, women's volleyball team? I think this is arguable. I don't think this is much of a wake up call because, for, first of all, I, I don't think they were ranked when they were against Irvine Valley, were they? Before I go, I go any further? Uh, I don't recall. We will uh, uh, we will have uh, our producer, Tim, double check that. But I don't recall. I don't think they were. But, because, um, it, because if they weren't, then that doesn't mean much. Because this seems any for an upset on a hot streak, and you know, if you if the team that they were facing is ranked, that means they know what they're doing. Because you know, at least you got to look at the positives. They did not get swept either games. They did not get swept. You know, yeah, they, that's they kept, well, yeah, that's true. Losses, the, obviously, okay, sorry, sorry, no, 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 no you're good. Uh, I was just gonna say in the uh, in the game against Irvine Valley, I did see that they uh, they picked up the second set, but lost um <clears throat> lost the uh, the next two sets. So uh, halfway through the the game they were one to one but then lost the next two sets uh straight but um impressive enough uh maggie uh alberto had uh what including the saddleback game and the irvine game that that concluded a uh five straight games for her to have double digit kills um really impressive from her kind of she's a freshman how, how much momentum not not as a team but as an individual player does that give you knowing that you're able to get those those double digit kills uh in like even in losing efforts that means you can that you can play hard even when you're down because I think from what we're seeing, Alberto has she's been probably the anchor for the team for the most part. Yeah, that's uh, I do agree with that. So uh, look forward to their next game. It's going to be on the road against Fullerton. Um, make sure to it's going to be at 6 p.m. on Wednesday the 29th. So make sure to head out and check them out if you're in the area as well. Uh, from there, we're going to head over to the world of professional sports. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about NFL. Do you want to talk about NFL assists? I do. Uh, I know you it might not be the reasons you're thinking. Oh, no, oh, maybe, maybe I could be wrong. Uh, just briefly covering on the NFL, <laughs> our winners and losers for this past week. Um, for me personally, Kansas City, big losers. Um, I don't know what's going on with their defense, and nobody's protecting Patrick Mahomes on the offensive line. It's that team is either going to go in shambles or something needs to change if they want to get back in contention. Um, and then you got Pittsburgh is another loser for me because she's Louise. Uh, I, I have been very open that I am a Pittsburgh fan. I have been crying from the rafters that we need a new quarterback and that Big Ben should have should retire next year. Um, don't get me wrong. He's a good player. I like him, but uh, it's starting to get a little frustrating seeing these kinds of performances. Um, as a, not, a, not even as a fan, just as a viewer of the sport. It's just, okay, come on. We need a, we need something to, to go right for them. Um, uh, winners for me for sure are going to be uh, uh, Carolina Panthers, which <laughs> the Jets are so are kicking themselves in the butt right now that Sam Darnold is having an amazing season. Well, start to the season with Carolina, so that's that's a big winner for me. Um, just like firstly, who who are your like major losers this weekend? Jesus, I hate being obvious, but the New York Jets for the first one. <laughs> Okay, for those who don't don't know, just just explain to them as is why why they're the biggest losers. Zach Wilson for the last two games has thrown too many too, too, many, too many turnovers, and for the last two games, New England and Denver have been outscored fifty-one to six in both games. Okay, and this is a question I posed to you yesterday. Um, do you think the current like the current and uh, QB classes that are coming in from college to NFL are they ready like they were like it was like say with Cam Newton and RG three? classes from the way it looks right now it, it does not because Justin Fields was struggling. Even though that was a South Cleveland defense, he was straight up struggling. Lawrence isn't getting his footing together in Jacksonville, but that's just a combination of him not having a good O-line, maybe not a good coach as well. Yeah, Wilson throwing picks everywhere. And then Mac Jones is just like, I don't know how to decipher Mac Jones at the moment. He's an, he's an interesting one for sure. Um, All those quarterbacks, I feel like the least, the two weaker ones, and I, like I said earlier, we don't want to ever like diminish anybody, but just from kind of your scene and what I've seen, 
seen. It, it, I think Trevor Lawrence and Zach uh, Wilson are going to be the weaker quarterbacks from this class. Um, I jokingly mentioned to you that um, that the Zach Wilson situation reminds me of the Mark Sanchez situation in his latter years at the Jets. So um, I, I hope there's a turnaround in that, but uh, you, you never know what, what happens there. But who, do you have any other losers for this week, this weekend? Not, uh, Seattle, honestly. How you go one and two? How? Oh, uh, don't talk about Seattle. You just reminded me. Uh, <laughs> as it's been well documented, I, I am currently playing fantasy football. Um, make sure you play for free, boys and girls, because I, I might be regretting that decision right now. <laughs> um, I have Russell Wilson as my starting QB, and uh, he in uh, it, how we have our points in that league. Um, he only produced, I think, 16.8 points, while everybody else on my team were like right there or above that. So, uh, uh, painful, painful, painful for me. But um, aside from my fantasy football woes, what were your uh, who were your winners this, this past weekend? Again, this will be obvious. Baltimore. I must agree. Baltimore. And in a, row, one reason, are... a couple of reasons. First of all, Lamar Jackson once again being clutch, converted a fourth and eighteen on the last possession, and on top of that, I need no context to say this. Justin freaking Tucker. Justin Tucker was my saving grace in uh, in fantasy football this week. So <laughs> he he put up seventeen points for me just from that the, that field goal. I'm like I'm, I I will take it. I will agree. By the um, way, that field goal, sixty six yards. Not only is it the longest field goal in history, it is also a field goal that was not made in Denver. We don't, we don't talk about Denver. Denver only had two good things, and that was John Elway and Peyton Manning as the quarterbacks yeah, and their but, Super Bowls. But aside but, from that, there's nothing good out there. For the longest time, though, the longest field goal was sixty four yarder for Matt Prater. It was in Denver, and now that's Justin true. Tucker outclassed it against the Lions of all teams. Well, the Lions, uh, I feel so bad for the Lions. They they've been so good in the like <clears throat> towards the like in the, in the second half of each game, but like they can't like get a first half going. So it's not even that they're a loser for me. It's just I just feel bad for them at this point. Um, for me personally, I think the big winners are going to be uh, the LA Rams picking up a huge win at home against the defending champions. Um, and Matt Stafford just showing he he just needed a good team around him to be able to win these big games. So really good um game from them kudos to them were you surprised that that uh the rams beat beat the bucks uh i could see it going either way but i will have to say i'm not surprised because this is like considered to be the second best team in the nfc conference at, at the time whereas like tom brady you know that was a stout bucks team that they beat that that's true oh on this note i wanted to ask you kind of your opinion i know we're, we're, we're going a little bit long on the uh, nfl but i had a i had a i'm kind of curious on your opinion what do you what happened to the 49ers last night they just did not play the clock game that's all they did gotcha because it, it was it was a green bay team that that's been like struggling like after after that saints game they, it seems like they've been struggling to get their footing and then yesterday they just like they exploded like it wasn't a high scoring game but they were on it and it, it was surprising with the 49ers were were playing like that it was a high scoring game 30 to 28 was the final but the problem was that the Niners allowed Aaron Rodgers too much time they lost for it and see in in my opinion that's that's vintage Aaron Rodgers when you give him time like that and he actually wants to do the passes he he is going to be on fire so uh good good job Aaron Rodgers you gave Devontae Adams enough passes to get me a lot of points of fantasy <laughs> and um, for, my, for my last winner and I don't think we're gonna have enough time to talk about it my last winner is the Oakland Raiders I mean oh, we're Las, Vegas Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders Las Vegas I know get no no put it back in Oakland I don't want them out in Vegas anymore put it back in Oakland oh my goodness uh the only reason I started going very against that because I have my coworker and then my best friend who, who's like a little brother to me. He's uh they're they're both Raider fans and they just love to rub it in my face that that, that uh Las Vegas is now three zero and one of those wins were was against Pittsburgh. So and Baltimore, um, I'm not happy about that either. Well, you're not the one listening to them, so I, I envy you right now, Seuss. So this is why I don't want to talk about them. The the Raiders will be excluded from this podcast. I hope. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving forward, aside from my this this like of the Raiders, uh, USC had a uh, had a uh, pay per view last uh, Saturday night. I think. 
think? I believe it was Saturday night. Um, it was uh, Volkan... <laughs> I cannot say. Volkanski? Volkanoski uh, was fighting Volkanoski. against... Uh, Volkanoski was fighting against Brian Ortega. Uh, Ortega. Uh, he, he They they did win the uh, the match by unanimous decision. So good good job on them on the name I can't say. Volkanoski, right? <laughs> Okay, we'll we'll go with that. Um, from there, uh, we will be stay. I believe they were in Las Vegas, weren't they? For UFC, uh, I'm just assuming because that's a, that's like the spiritual home for UFC. Uh, I could be wrong, but speaking about Vegas, uh, NASCAR's playoff race at Las Vegas happened um, last night, and uh, for as much as Las Vegas is an interesting track, it sometimes could get boring. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think how to, how it can compare to any other races because last last week we talked about the scuffle that uh that kevin harvick and chase elliott had uh this week it was just more a straightforward race he had multiple leaders um it's not boring but it's just more of like i don't know you can't you kind of knew what was going to happen uh denny hamlin ended up winning the las vegas race booking his ticket to the round of eight uh had his uh, uh joe Gibbs racing teammates finish within the top 10 with him um not not too much to talk about in that race but um yeah because i think i remember i remember that we were listening to the, to the broadcast and it was mostly like kyle larson dominating for the most part which this season has been consistent of uh, a, a pretty much a rivalry being between um uh denny hamlin and um and kyle larson they're really good buddies off the track but when it comes to uh racing for for this championship it's be, it's been between them and um larson has been on fire this year i believe he was he was close to uh to to scoring um to achieving 2000 laps led this season and now and in the, the whole season up to this point so so um, right now, I believe Larson, if I recall correctly, Larson is second in the points. Uh, the drivers are currently out on the um, on the bottom four looking into the top eight. Um, I know from the top of my head, William Byron, Alex Bowman, um, and Kevin Harvick are the drivers. And uh, Christopher Bell, those are the four drivers who are on the outside looking in. They have two more races, but a really difficult course is going to be at the uh, Las Vegas. Not the Las Vegas. This is where they're just at. I can't talk right now. My brain's trying to remember everything. <laughs> uh, they're going to Talladega Super Speedway. That is a uh, restrictor plate track or I mean super speedway package how NASCAR likes to call it now and then they're from there they're heading over to the Charlotte Road Course Oval or the Roval as they like to call it to finish up the round so really interesting track combinations this round um, next week's going to be interesting uh, that one's up for grabs for anybody and then uh, at the Roval I, I kind of have an idea who can uh, who can win that one but from there we go to the other side of the world Russia likes to cause a lot of rain doesn't it yes and believe it or not that for the first time that has been available on our schedule, Formula One is not our main topic. I know that's uh that's kind of surprising. I didn't I didn't think that was ever gonna happen, but I, I just gotta we gotta address the elephant in the room. Heartbreak for Lando. Oh my goodness. F in the chat, F in the chat for Lando, F in the chat. Yeah, this was honestly his race to win, and then he just misjudged the rain rain conditions. He was it was he was pretty stubborn on it. Um, let's just say that. Let's say because you you and I were listening to the race, and at the very end, he seemed very very, very adamant that he could make it towards to the end of the race on the set of slicks but uh just to recap the race it was a uh, a really interesting top three starters uh you had uh Lando Norris starting first Carlos Sainz his former teammate in the second position you had George Russell starting third and then Lewis Hamilton in fourth um if I recall correctly Carlos Sainz didn't necessarily have the best start off the off the line but from yeah. there just yeah Sainz started the race in the lead I know um it was it was interesting from what it looked like like from what I remember seeing, it didn't look like it was necessarily the best sort, but it was just enough to be able, as he got away through turn one, going into two, able to get pulled side by side with Lando. Um, and then I believe it was into four or five, something like that. He was able to get around Lando, and from there he led a good, good, good part of the open, the opening portion of the race. And then out of nowhere, Lando just started to click, and this went on a different gear, and just started to close the gap on on Carlos. And then out of nowhere, even the commentators were caught by surprise that that Lando just swooped, made the pass on uh, Carlos Sainz. And from there, it was it was looking like it should have been a Lando Norris a victory, don't you think? Yes, and going back to, back to, to the Sky Sports 
Sky Sports team being caught by off guard, I would blame that on the t- on the producers once again, like the cameraman for not getting there on time. But like that's a different topic. Yeah, I know. It was uh, it was surprising that they they got caught off guard like that. Um, I know, like I, I was I was working on uh, on some questions that we were we were gonna try to use or later on that day, and then all I see is them just like, oh wait, no, they're ma- Lando's making the pass. I was like, huh? Um, those moments has actually happened before. Like from what I from my experience with watching motorsports uh, on television. <clears throat> you've seen that more with the uh on the nbc nascar broadcast um i remember a couple of years i believe it was 2018 at the uh, mid ohio race there was like four different crashes that <clears throat> the camera guys didn't like you could see in the background of the race going on but then like their their main focus was the cars that were going right in front of them, but you can like clearly tell a car went off the track over there uh obviously that's a different set of circumstances with the incident but like going back to the lando carlos thing that's that's a pass for the lead so somebody somebody messed up somebody Somewhere without without being informed and uh <laughs> i'm looking at you monaco. looking at you monaco <laughs> get get the passes come on we don't we don't need some onboard cameras even though i know the uh, the teams hate the onboard um but uh leading to the heartbreak for lando it was about five to six laps to go correct i thought it was three i thought it was i thought it was around lap uh 48 or so 47 48 when it started to sprinkle and they started to tell him hey it's starting to sprinkle but it was around between between like lap 47 and lap 50 where it started to sprinkle a lot pretty heavily on the track and the uh the strategists were going on to uh lando's radio at this point lewis hamilton had jumped uh, a couple cars on the pit strategies and just amazing work by lewis weaving his way through traffic to get up to second um he was uh both both team strategists were, were letting each of their drivers know that hey weather's hitting the track right now we're on slicks do you guys want to go to intermediates anytime soon like within a lap do you want to do it um lando then, stuck to his gun go ahead and then like i was going to say both of them initially said no lando kept to his decision lewis eventually over over overruled his decision yeah um i i had watched the uh the post-race interview that they were doing um they both discussed it um they were lewis told lando it's like oh no i wasn't i was gonna stay out too um but and lando's like oh man that would have changed everything he's like yeah i think my lewis responded to him it's like yeah my team must have had something else that your team didn't so they're as in like they look uh, mercedes had more information than what mclaren did um i i don't i don't chalk it up to that i chalk it up to and i told you this i, I chalk it up to a dry a, a team trusting their driver's decision um a lot of times in in forms of racing te- the team strategists and and team members that aren't in the car try to dictate uh how you should do how how you should finish your race i understand it's for better or for the worse trying to get obviously a really good uh either a win or a good finish on the day but they're i feel like in the current day in motorsports there hasn't been aside from lewis hamilton and certain indycar and nascar drivers um there hasn't been much of drivers being able to call their own shots i do give credit to mclaren for allowing uh, lando to to have that decision um we had this discussion uh lando's former teammate carlos Sainz actually ended up on the podium um because he he was he wasn't stubborn about it and he went into the pits early to uh before the last couple of laps to get his intermediates on uh i chalked that and i told you i chalked that up more to experience in that situation comparative to lando's inexperience uh in this situation because he was he's never been in a situation where he's led a grand prix in the in a transitional weather situation where it's going from dry to wet um would you kind of agree with that yeah obviously i was an experience this is lando's fourth third year in f1 he's never been in that situation ever in his career and the others have been in rain races more often than lando has yeah that's true so um lewis uh listened on the first uh on on the second call of weather's coming in pretty heavy coming now and um and it eventually worked out for lewis max for and from the last on the grid to second uh no no poop housery for him today uh pretty pretty good uh day moving up from last to second i don't know how you forgot about this but this is lewis hamilton's 100th victory oh i was getting to that but i wanted to make sure we we mentioned our our whole podium there carlos signs um finish rounding out the podium there in third and then uh we do have to mention lando did finish seventh he did still get points but not the points he wanted on the day but yes uh lewis hamilton uh got 100 wins in his career um very impressive by him uh kudos to him and um i don't think it's gonna stop here i i feel like he's gonna finish with more than like 110 in his career okay. do, do you think he probably will most likely but um aside from the from the race picture uh big picture uh mercedes now leads the drivers and uh 
um, and uh, manufacturers. Um, it's not called a manufacturers. W- what's it called? I forgot for constructors. I get them confused. It's one and the same for me. Um, but uh, Mercedes leads both championships now after this weekend, heading into the next race. Uh, from there, we're going to do a really interesting, uh, long coverage on this one. Uh, the IndyCar race series finale. I can't talk. The Grand Prix of Long Beach finally happened after two and a half years. It's been the last time Southern California had a, any form of racing at the at a top tier level because um back in last fall uh the uh Irwindale track opened up for uh, for local racing for the uh, NASCAR weekly series um so obviously uh, that was that was racing going on in Southern California but at the top tier level of racing it's been since March 2020 the last time Southern California had a race the only reason I remember that because I was at that last race it was the Auto Club 400 at Fontana for the NASCAR Cup Series and if I recall correctly the winner I believe was I can't remember off the top of my head but that was the last race that was ran in Southern California up until this race yesterday um the Grand Prix of Long Beach amazing weekend I was there Saturday afternoon I was there for qual for the latter half of qualifying I was there for the IMSA race I, I walked around I saw the expo it was really fun um I know you went on you only went one day but this was your first race ever going this was my first ever street course at IndyCar race that I went to. Kind of what was your experience be, just being around the track for somebody who's never been at a racetrack? The experience was really well because it felt like I was at one of those like sporting venues, like, you know, the the Honda Centers, you know, the, the Angel City of Anaheim, you know, those type of atmospheres. Like, it felt like it was a really well-organized place to be in. It, it, I will give kudos to the organizers of the Acro Grand Prix of Long Beach. They did an amazing job that everybody was getting checked with their vaccination. They had a testing site there they had a, a, a area to administer the the vaccine to them um, really good kudos to the organizers they had enough space for everybody to walk around um I, I i gotta give credit to them and for me personally when i walked up on saturday at like around noontime when i got I'll, I'll be honest i got lost walking to the track after i got uh our, my credentials um i got lost i didn't know where to go but then I, when i started to get closer to the track once i found my my way to the track just hearing the cars um it just it brought an excitement back to me that i haven't felt in years and and when i say years i mean i know it's only been a a year and a half since i last been in a race but man it was so crazy to just be there just listening to the cars drive around the track full throttle trying to get every inch of of time they can get to 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 move forward to gain spots or something it was for me personally this was something i've been needing um for as much as we can watch motorsports like on a tv and just kind of enjoy it from there it's not the same thing as being on the track um i know for like i i keep i know i'm talking rambling a little long but it's it was genuinely uh like a heartwarming thing to be able to hear cars going around the track again and just just feeling the vibrations of the cars downshift upshift going through their streets uh breaking to make the corner locking up it it, it was it was genuinely a fun thing and i i know one thing i didn't mention the crowds were actually were big it, it was a i don't know what was the, the crowd numbers we'll, we'll we'll mention it last week because I, I would assume the numbers aren't out yet but they should be out by by mid by the day this this is posted so we'll we'll talk about that next week for sure but the the crowds were, were awesome um i know from from what i recall watching the the imsa race the the the, the grandstands were packed for that race and then when you and me jesus were, were getting pictures for the for the indy uh yesterday at the indy car race the, the stands look packed as well right yeah the races were pretty much stacked as well it, it was amazing and everybody everybody did a good job keeping keeping their social distance make sure they wore, the, wore their masks uh, i know inside the expo area they did a really good job of making sure you couldn't go in there without having your mask on so really I, it goes back to to what i've been saying kudos to the organizers of the Acura grand prix of long beach uh, i know especially with what we're going on right now super difficult to to be able to, to pull the, this whole event off because it was all three days and i can i could just imagine how just like frustrating irritated and just like like difficult it was on them uh day and night at preparing for this and during the event so uh huge kudos to them um for sure but uh, aside from giving kudos to to the race organizers and having the good warm fuzzy feelings feelings about being at a racetrack again there was a championship race uh we i do have to mention qualifying
qualifying for sure because qualifying had a complete debacle um it was uh obviously the debacle happened in the firestone fast 12 uh the second round before they go to the uh fast six shootout um in indycar they the, the opening round has two different groups uh i believe for this weekend was two groups of 14 cars it was a record-breaking uh, car count for for it's been i believe since the 80s or around that time the last time there was this many cars just at this track so it was 28 cars total uh the first opening rounds had 14 cars each in each session and then from there the top six actually move on to the firestone fast 12 in the fast 12 there was a bit of a controversy uh willpower was going was trying to get on was on a fast lap trying to get as much as he can he spun i believe around turn nine it was between eight and ten he spun out um local yellow was going had come out championship contenders uh alex below and pedal award drove by their um two indie cars uh, to what indie cars said to to the broadcast and ha- had put out that to to the media it was that um pato and um and Polo uh did not reduce their speed so in indycar if you don't reduce uh, reduce your speed on a local yellow especially in qualifying your lap is deleted so they were they were essentially caught they were booked for speeding in that area but later on uh i had heard um from from a from a resource i i, I watch on youtube uh, he has real reliable sources um he had uh his sources stated that about six i believe four to six guys that were ahead i be- no, it was four guys four to, four to five guys if i'm correct four to five guys ahead of uh Pelo and uh pado uh were actually um they they had spent but they weren't penalized they were able to move on to firestone fast six uh i know uh, uh pado award was uh very unpleased with indycar he ended up tweeting at them <laughs> straight savage from him um Polo just settled with the 10th um i know you can just tell um from the photos i got from him there he he, he did seem frustrated um with that effort but joseph newgarden the the second closest title contender um did step one uh heading into uh yesterday's race he qualified on the pole and ended up getting the championship point for that uh very impressive on him uh, i believe if i recall correctly scott dixon alex polo's uh teammate ended up on the second row there and then elio castroneves uh was in the uh in the second row for sure um the indy 500 champion from there we went on to the uh the full race the full accurate grand prix of long beach it was an 80 80 lap affair on the uh on the almost two mile street uh course at long beach before we go on with anything else what were your initial impressions of the uh of the layout of the courses you know this makes me give me the same vibes that i would think whenever i would be watching formula one's monaco grand prix because the circuit gives me the same vibes as like you cannot make a mistake qualifying matters you know one mistake can send you into the barrier and for for as comfortable as the race was for the most part i'm impressed that they make these streets into an actual course it it is impressive um i can't remember who it told me i don't know if it was at our advisor or somebody else had told me that when they walk around after the race is done they they still feel the 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 cars the vibration of the cars in the concrete um that was that was an interesting thing i remembered off the top of my head um but it um it was overcast for the start um i was telling you that 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 ended up that could have changed the uh the uh the whole strategy for the race um i, I don't think it did much i i think it just made uh, the uh the red tires last a little longer but the uh the black sidewall tires the harder compound was was still the the way to go for all teams um just based off the start kind of what what was your impressions on the start of the race i didn't really have so much of an impression i really like maybe paying attention i guess i think for the most part of the day i was paying attention to romain grosjean for a lot of you know my pictures that i took you know the videos i was focusing i was impressed with what he did at the start you know he held it kept it together and he actually made overtakes when he could so so let's say on that what so you 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 were you were looking forward to covering uh grosjean for sure what were your what were your overall impressions of him just this like through, throughout the race like did, did he do good or he could have done stuff better kind of from like from your like from seeing out from the outside looking in honestly if he didn't hit the wall that would have been probably maybe a contention for the, for the podium but you know if he didn't hit the wall there on near the end of the race where eventually he had to retire that was definitely going to be a good result to end the season he probably would have gotten rookie of the year as well that that is true um just sticking on the rookie of the year ba- battle um scott mclaughlin uh number three driver the number three driver for the uh for team penske uh scored the rookie of the year <laughs> this is actually the first time in uh in indycar history that uh that team penske have uh scored have won the in the rookie of the year 
uh, title. Um, they had never won it before. In the post uh, post race uh, press conference, Scott uh, jokingly said, "Yeah, that that seems like it, it, that just that just makes it seem like a Roger Penske team owner uh, doesn't employ rookies." But uh, Scott McLaughlin did a really good job in the race. But um, heading back to the uh, to the to the nitty gritty of the race, uh, we had uh, Colton hurt a big chungus as as I like to I've as I've heard to refer as <laughs> did an impressive job uh drove from 14th to first uh we will have a, a interview that we'll we'll, t- we'll tack on here go ahead in the middle okay so Colton, what were some of the difficulties driving from 14th to a win especially on the type of course where crashing can be a premium yeah um you know i think we kind of proved that wrong today that that if you have a great car you start in the back you can pass here um you know we were one of the few cars that was trimmed and we we're still able to break pretty late i think that was a big thing for us um and it was a lot of fun too i was kind of surprised um how quick we were at the start i was very surprised when we were able to keep going after hitting ryan in the rear um, after jones spun Pato. Um, we had a little bit of damage to the right front but, but luckily it was enough wasn't enough to kind of take us out and keep running around and, and be quick. He did an impressive job. Uh, he drove from 14th to first. We asked uh, uh, you asked him the question, what, what was uh, what were the difficulties uh, passing, making his way from fir- 14th to first on on a track which I, I deemed uh, it, it, passing is a premium on this track. And he answered it with uh, just paraphrasing that he, they had the best car. Um, uh, they're, they're, I, from my kind of two cents from watching, they, their pit strategies worked out for them. Uh, I know he he had mentioned in that post 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 race press conference that the he thought the yellow had caught him out multiple times, but it actually paid in his favor. Uh, kind of just from what we were able to see, and then just I don't know if you've seen anything afterwards. Uh, what was your impression of uh, Colton's effort to to get from 14th to first uh, to get to win in his home track? Uh, he grew up in Santa Clarita, actually not too far from where I used to live. Uh, I I lived in Van Nuys, so I, I was talking to my mom. There's a little little <laughs> little added factoid there. But what were your impressions of Colton's uh, uh, performance yesterday? Yeah, Colton. I don't know how he did it, but he went from 14th to first. And I really enjoyed what he had to say in the interview where I asked him that question again, the first 14th to first, as you will hear. I, I was actually pretty impressed with his answer. I, it, he gave a, he, for his age, he is a freaking veteran in my opinion. Um, uh, He, he will be a champion. I know in the, um, in the same uh, uh, press conference, he was asked, what do you need to do to finally click off that championship? Cause he's finished third and fifth in the, t- in the title. Um, So, yeah um <clears throat> he he's he's done good uh he he answered that he should uh that he needed to uh just fix up mistakes that he's done in, on other tracks and i've seen the mistakes and he, he if he fixes up he'll, he'll get it done um moving on from uh from the race winner uh heartbreak for one of the championship contenders pedal award got clipped uh at the op- in the hairpin of the opening lap uh goodness gracious even um even when we asked uh when i asked alex below about uh his relationship with uh with paddle in the championship a lot of people have said that that was a boneheaded move from uh ed jones um obviously i understand he's trying to he's trying to secure a, a seat for next year but come on dude it was the opening lap of the race and you're you're not respecting that a championship contender is trying to make sure he stays in contention uh, uh in the race what was your impression of the of the incident deliberate because this was the person that was probably having the best chance to contend for the championship i guess oh pablo and and new garden and uh, yeah Pat- Unfortunate that has happened. Yeah, um, everybody called that move boneheaded. Um, I understand racing. I know uh, Ed Jones was was trying to do everything he could, but at the same time, you got to be very conscious of what's going on around around you. Um, Joseph Newgarden, the next closest championship contender, tried to do everything he could to to get to the lead. Um, uh, fortunately, he did not he did not get up there. Uh, but he he had a really good job. Scott Dixon, uh, uh Pelos teammate, the uh, driver of the uh, ENC number nine car really good job finishing third there but to address the uh the huge elephant in the room yes uh alex below secured at, at um secured his first ntt data indycar championship uh first under 25 champ
champion since Scott Dixon back in 2003. First full Spaniard champion um, in the series history. And then the uh, the first uh, Spanish-speaking winner since uh, Juan Pablo Montoya. For me, I've, I have once I saw Alex's win at Barber Motorsports Park, I knew this kid was good, but I didn't think he was championship good. Um, obviously, uh, you've seen more of the recent stuff, Jesus, uh, with what I've mentioned and, and, and from the race yesterday. What was your impression of uh, of his championship drive? He, he ended up coming up fourth, but that was that was more than enough to win him the championship. It just shows you that he was playing damage control for the whole race because I think the bare minimum he needed to get through the race was 10th and 10th for better. And I was thinking like once he got up to 10th, play damage control at that point. Don't let this defend for your life. Yeah, um, to correct you on that, I ended up seeing later it was 12th and above. 12th and above was the uh, was the was the mark for for uh, below the meet, but um, it was such an impressive drive. He he is beyond his years. He, this is only his second year in in IndyCar. Uh, last year was he wasn't even a, in a capable car, but he was such an he was also just amazing week in and week out back in last season. But this season, right out the gate, came out one at Barber had a bit of a kind of like quiet streak going on there, just getting solid finishes, and then uh, then we head over to uh, to the Indy 500 where in qualifying he was trying um, qualifying in Indy in the Indy 500 you can do multiple times to improve your to prove your time to get a higher starting spot but um he was trying to do that and he just he had a nasty crash and then he just dusted off came back the next weekend put the car on the podium in second almost nearly won the freaking thing and then from there went on to win at road america um he had a bit of a summer slump uh he had an issue at gateway which he it was no fault of his own um i know he had an incident at the indy road course in the se- in the second indy road course race um that was not his, his fault and then he he won like i said at road america and then he comes to the west coast three courses he never had set foot on in any form of racing and just wins at portland international goes down to laguna seca puts it in the puts it on the podium second and then comes down to long beach and for whatever you you can i know you call it the damage control but i call it a savvy drive a championship winning drive puts it forth most championship drivers in any car they finish uh, i believe from what i recall finished uh uh sixth and under uh between sixth and 11th place something like that from the last couple championships i've seen him finishing fourth and the only reason he later stated in the in the in the uh in the press conference was he the only reason he didn't go for the podium it's his teammate and he didn't want to he didn't want to compromise his race he didn't want to risk it just to be on the podium um so he w- he did a, a hell of a drive smart drive um we'll we'll add the uh the question i asked him here congratulations first off any questions uh, I know you just mentioned Chip told you after Barber to win the title. Was that a possibility in your mind after that win at Barber? Yeah, and before. Um, it, it was a tough thing, obviously, for everybody. It's tough to win championships, but uh, when you know you have the team around, it's only up to you. So uh, I knew it was going to be hard, especially not knowing so many tracks this year. But, uh, but we made it through. And then my second question, racing with Pato down to the wire until pretty much last race, how was that relationship between you and Pat or just racing down the line? I think perfect, yeah. We, we get uh, along really well. I was, um, I was not happy to see him spin from another driver. If you make a mistake, um, that's your fault. But uh, if there is another driver that hits somebody that is content, contending for the title, I don't think that's right. Maybe they, they should take care of, of the people that is fighting for it. So um, I wanted to fight with him. But uh, anyway, we, we did our job and we finished in the top five, so. And then I asked him just to kind of recap and just his kind of thoughts on his answer. I asked him, well, what, did he think a championship was possible after Barber? And he said, yes, he, he, um, he said that it, it was achievable. And then it, just hearing his answer was just, just reminded me of the caliber of a driver that, that Pato is, that, not Pato, that Polo is. And I'm just, we're seeing a, a, an IndyCar legend being born in my opinion. Um, I hope later in his career, because he's super, Super young, so there's a possibility he can go to Formula One in his later years. So I hope that's a possibility. But I also hope he stays in any car for a long time and uh, and just and keeps on winning races and uh, and uh, winning IndyCar champion. Uh, his team owner actually compared him to uh, his champion, his defending champion uh, teammate uh, Scott Dixon, who has six championships and I can't remember 
40 plus wins in his career and a team owner comparing a, a second year driver in a car that has been at, at various points in the car's life been deemed a cursed car just come out into your first year in the team and just win a championship i i think it's a complete impressive display of of driving by that by by uh, alex below so um congratulations to him it was overall an amazing weekend i, I hope we can go back next year uh see big chungus defend his uh race win uh any other thoughts this is about the race um nothing really just personal stuff but like you know i don't want to talk about him gotcha gotcha i i know i know you had a good time at the race uh i know tim and leo uh from the uh from the from the stuff they saw it was uh i would assume they had a very enjoyable time from the from the time they were there uh again kudos to the organizers of of the race and um congratulations again to colton herda getting his third win of the season big chungus is gonna be a championship contender in my books for next season and then uh big congratulations to the whole number 10 uh team chip ganassi team and then uh alex below a young champion but a future champion for sure and uh for sure we'll do heading to next season we'll try to do a bit more coverage of the indy car races for sure i i know i enjoy them um if you're new if you if you're new to indy car or you want to form a racing to follow that isn't nascar or formula one i i i employ you to go check out indy car i i know the last three years indy car has been such an amazing sport to watch so uh, i i i am i have had a love-hate relationship with the series um and, and it's no, it's no fault to the series Owen. Oh, it's just um the first indycar race i ever watched uh, a driver died um it was the uh, 2011 championship finale of las vegas dan walden sadly lost his life on that day and um i almost stopped right ra- watching racing in general because of that but I- i'm so glad i came back to the sport um to indycar and just the racing in general it- it's been a huge part of my life and it's it's been, it was amazing to be out there covering um i know for sure to check out viewpoints for mine jesus's joint article and for the photo gallery of all of the amazing pictures we, I was able to take uh, of this weekend. Also check out my personal Instagram, which I'll, I'll, I'll mention later um, to check out. I'll be posting a lot of photos from this race for sure. But anything else you want to add, Jesus? Nope. All right. Awesome. Well, this will kind of we'll, we'll conclude our our episode today. Um, Before we head out, uh, I want to ma- remind you all to make sure you head over to the Viewpoints uh, Podcast Network. Go and check out the Rerun Shuffle uh, it's a TV podcast where our wonderful editor-in-chief, Leo, and our wonderful producer and multimedia editor, Tim, uh, rewatch and discuss different episodes of different TV shows every week. Uh, and it's up every Saturday, and you can go check it out now. Uh, this week's episode is uh, the is Frasier's uh, Season 4, Episode 18, The Ham Radio. Make sure you check it out. It's a, it's a good listen for sure. Also, you want to make sure to head over to our social medias. Head over to uh, on Facebook. You can check us out. Riverside City College Viewpoints on Twitter and Instagram at RCC Viewpoints. Uh, make sure to head over to our website, viewpointsonline.org to check out all our amazing articles for uh, mine, Jesus's, and all the team's articles. Make sure to go check them out on there. Jesus, your personal Twitter is? At Z 8 And then you can check me out on at Brian at... I can't talk right now on Instagram at Brian underscore a underscore Calderon. And then you can check me out on Twitter as well at Brian Calderon 96. With that being said, I hope everybody has a wonderful day, a wonderful week. Uh, Stay safe out there, everybody. Um, Like I said, check out IndyCar, check out our articles on viewpoints. And again, have yourselves a wonderful game day. I can't talk. I hope Pittsburgh wins next week because I need something good as all the other sports are ending. Have a good day. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>